0: Well praise the Lord. We're in Psalm 23 this morning, just morning actually. <laughs> uh, but Psalm 23, I just felt the Lord wanted us to look at this this morning because I'm very conscious of a lot of stuff that's going on and we've been tackling some of that stuff, um, well sometimes here on a Sunday morning but certainly as in our gathering meetings on a Saturday morning. And looking at what God wants to do in this day and age, a turbulent times that we live in. And we've looked looked at this before. The Bible speaks in Revelation of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And it's quite grim reading. It sounds like something out of a you know a, a horror movie. Uh, but we have the the first horseman is plague, uh, the second horseman is war, the third horseman is famine or scarcity. And the fourth ho- horseman is death. And we are living in these times where we could say the four horsemen ride the earth, where we've had this pandemic. Now they're talking about a new pandemic, monkeypox and all this. Uh, we've got this war that's going on that at any moment could turn nuclear. And that's not being dramatic. It's not being sensationalist. If you read some of the reports uh, that from people, experts, they're saying that the possibility The plausibility of nuclear conflagration and i managed to say that word without stuttering but the possibility of nuclear war is looming large because we have we don't have leaders that have uh got a heart after god and that's why we pray every service on a sunday morning for our leaders because they need the wisdom and the guidance of god and we need to be protected from their lack of it amen and then of course we have scarcity and prices shooting up all prophesied in god's word and so we have um gas prices electricity prices doubling even more than that and it's supposed to go even further up petrol diesel going up uh, shortages um, of things and what we're told by again experts is it's going to get a lot worse so when we look at these things the temptation is to be fearful and say well how am i going to survive and we've heard it all uh, people saying making a choice between heating and eating well in the summer it's not so much a choice because uh, we 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 manage to not put the heating on as much but we're told uh, when autumn comes the the prices are shooting up again and a lot of it is fear-mongering but the reality is still there because if you notice it uh, in your your bills, if you're paying for gas or electricity, it's not just talk. They have gone up massively in price, and they're going up further. We're told. So how do we cope with that? Well, we, our only response as believers, as Christians, has to be a faith response. It cannot be, well, we'll just get another job, or you know, we'll rob a bank, or whatever it is. We have to have a faith response. We have to respond by turning to God, turning to his word. And I've been teaching this recently. If you look at Isaiah 60, where we we look at all these things or see these things in that chapter, uh, the the, the economy of God taken over from man's failed economy. But we see it says that a light will arise in the darkness. And that's what it says in Psalm 112, it speaks about the blessed man. And the blessed man is the man with wealth and riches in his house. His children are blessed. And he walks in blessing. But it says, because he delights greatly in God's commandments. So if we're going to be people that respond adequately and appropriately and successfully to what's going on all around us, we have to be lovers of God's word. We have to delight in his word. Amen? So let's, let's do that. Let's make that decision in our hearts to do that. But let's look at this psalm because there's some wonderful truths in here psalm 23 a psalm of david okay so this was king david this was his psalm and as i said possibly the most famous piece of scripture there is everybody knows this the lord is my shepherd i shall not want and right there we begin by seeing god's heart towards us and by understanding that god's heart towards us is a shepherd And shepherds care for the sheep, don't they? Good shepherd, Jesus said the good shepherd, the good shepherd will lay his life down, won't he? The good shepherd cares for the sheep. The good shepherd, the sheep are his priority. And in fact, let's just do that. Um, Let's just turn to Psalm 95 and we'll see something in there. Um, And it's all about God being our shepherd. And watch what it says, Psalm 95 and verse. Here we are. Psalm 95, verse 7. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. So we are the people. Amen. So that's good news if you're a ranger supporter. Uh, Because we are the people is, is the slogan, isn't it? But you know, we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. He is our shepherd. And that's a vital truth because shepherds care for the sheep. And David, who wrote this psalm, he fought bears and lions to protect his sheep. Now, would you do that for your pet? Would you do that for your animals, for your livestock? Would you do that for your cat or your duck or your hamster or your goldfish? I don't know. But David did. David was given a responsibility to care for the sheep and put his own life on the line to protect the sheep from predators. So, the Lord is our shepherd. But look what it says. What would the shepherds do? They care for the sheep, which means they make sure the sheep are always fed. They're always provided for. Shepherds don't say, well, I don't care what happens to the sheep. They can go where they want. I don't care if it's a rocky ground and there's no grass here to feed them. I'll just leave them be. I'm going to go have a lie down. I'm going to have a kip. I'm going to go and eat my my ploughman's lunch or my shepherd's pie or whatever it is they do. uh, And leave the sheep. No, Jesus is the good shepherd. And all good shepherds will provide for their sheep. And it says... The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That word want means lack. I shall not be in lack. Isn't that a great truth to stand on at this time? When you walk into the supermarkets. Now some of the stuff, some of the prices are still okay. But you look at other things. Uh, we were in Morrison's yesterday, and I shared this in yesterday's meeting. And even the, the, the cashiers, the till people, the people who the tills, were moaning about the prices in the shop. It's, it's a bad deal when they the, the tell people more about the, the prices, because you know, they're just ringing it through, and they don't care. But folks, we need to understand that the promise to us is that we shall not lack any good thing. We shall not want, we shall not lack, because the Lord is my shepherd. Does it matter if bread is 75p a loaf or 2 pounds 75 a loaf? Does, does it matter to the Lord, because it As long as we believe He's our Shepherd and our Provider, Yahweh is our Provider. The Bible says, "Jehovah Jireh, the Lord my Provider." So we have to, we have see, we need to be reading Psalm 23 all the time, because this describes what God does for us, and even describes what God does through us. He is our Shepherd, and we will not lack. Now, if you and I don't lack, that means that we can feed those who do. Amen. It's a big part of the gospel. I'm blessed to be a pastor in this church where I've seen generosity. I've seen you every time we do something um, for the poor or for the homeless. There's always loads of donations because we've got that heart here in this place. And it's a great thing to have. But the Bible says the Lord Jehovah Yahweh is our shepherd We are not going to be in that if we stand on that promise. Then it extends it to say, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He doesn't make us to lie down in barren land, or wasteland, or rocky land, or places where the pastures are thin and sparse. He's talking about green, lush, verdant. I like that word, verdant. Pastures, green pastures, pastures of tender grass, that means. Okay? He leads me beside the still waters or waters of rest. In other words, we will be fed and watered. We will be provided for, for one simple reason. He's our shepherd. Okay? Uh, you have to have a shepherd's heart. God has a shepherd's heart toward us. And um, so we have to be provided for. And you know, the word pastor actually means shepherd. That's what it means. So, um, you know, you should expect from your pastor to be fed. Fed with what? Fed with the word. And that's what I'm doing this morning. Because these, you know, I could stand up here and say, things are really dark, things are gloomy. It's going to get a whole lot worse. Good luck, folks. All the best. But no, I'm giving you what God said about the situation. And if you will feed on that, then that will build faith in you and confidence in you and give you courage. And that's what we need right now, every one of us. And pastors need it as much as anyone else. Amen. Because we're facing very uncertain times. And we've already had this church and other churches shut down, locked down, all that. And let me just say this. We have governments that have no qualms about shutting churches down. Uh, Because they don't want to hear the voice of the church. But that's all going to change, folks, because there's going to come a time when they will be desperate to hear the voice of Christian people because they'll have made such a mess of things. And that time is really here now, okay? It's just, it's maybe not quite done yet. That's why we pray every week. So anyway, he leaves me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. You know, that's talking about your emotions. It's talking about your, your mental health. He's talking about all the things, because we live in a world that frets us, don't we? We live in a world where there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of uh, angry things going on, people, angry people, you know, as a pastor I hear quite a lot, regularly about suicidal people, people that, that want to end it. Okay? And so, but he is the restorer of our soul. He is the one that will restore the soul of a troubled, someone with a troubled mind, someone with who's maybe had a nervous breakdown, somebody who's got mental health issues. These things are real, aren't they? And, of course, suicide. Suicide's a big thing. He restores the soul of those whose lives have been wasted with addiction and blasted by, you know, really rough living. He restores my soul. If you let him... He will restore your soul. He'll bring peace and calm back to your troubled mind, your troubled heart. He will restore us. So is these wonderful? We're not even have much into this Psalm. And we're already seeing He has the answer to life in 2022. Amen. And he has the answer to life in 2023 and 2024 and so on. Because he always has the answer. Because he is the eternal God. He is a refuge. And underneath are the everlasting arms. His arms don't grow weary. Amen. They're everlasting and they're always ready He catches and carries us when we need them. So he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You know, we don't always follow the paths of righteousness. We, we want to. Our heart is, is in that. We want to be... Uh, you know, doing the right thing, living the right but sometimes we stray, but He will lead us back into righteous paths, which means He'll lead us in uh, things that will bless us and not things that will harm us or damage us or destroy us. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. He doesn't do it, He does it for His sake, His name's sake. Amen? And that, so that's good. So, in other words, He has His own integrity to uphold. And so it's on him. A lot of times we think that living right, and living in the, in the path of righteousness, is ours to do it. Here. So we strive in the flesh. And that's what Martin Luther railed against. Didn't he? he said, I'm done with this, flagellating myself, doing all these religious things. And then he realized it dawned on him by the Spirit of God, by faith alone. And so that's why we have by faith alone, grace alone, and so on. So it's for his name's sake he leads us. And then we come to uh, verse 4, which says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Folks, everybody in this room, we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Sometimes we feel it more keenly than others. But you know, people die around us. There's pandemics. There's danger. You, know, you get, you get out, out of the street at night and you can be in danger. We're always surrounded by the possibility or the shadow of death. But we need to be people that shine our light brighter than ever because we're surrounded by death and darkness. So we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But you know, somebody said once, and it's good, the shadow of a dog never bit anyone. So death need not touch us. Um, And you know, even when we go home to be with the Lord, and we've, we've had that in this church, Recently, of course, uh, Martha, one of one of our uh, long-established uh, uh, dear members, uh, went on to glory. But it's not death, it's glory. Amen? And you know, when you go to the, the, the deathbed of a precious saint, you don't get that sense of doom or gloom or darkness. There's, there's a glory in it, there's a light in it. And I, and I actually saw, I went to visit Martha, literally hours before she, she passed away. And there was that peace. Just recently, I went to see a man, a friend of mine, who was well, he's 87. And again, a Salvation Army man. Um, and again, there was that sense of, of light, not darkness. Amen. So death is a reality. It's a, it's a reality we, we, we face every day. You know, and I, I, I like to think this and I know it's true, but I, I believe it's true I've heard other people saying it that it's not till we go to be with the Lord that we'll maybe realise, because God will show us the amount of times he saved us from death you know, um, I remember very clearly as a boy, my dad used to do a lot of flying in his job, he'd fly all over the place um, and you know, it, it, just a fact of life, he was a, a sales manager for a, a, a very uh, popular company so he was flying all the time, and I remember once he he was and my dad told me about it because it, they still do this, but they used to do it. I think a lot bit a lot more. Sorry, of, of relay flights in the sense that it would flight to that airport, then that airport, then that airport it was like like a bus. It could actually fly to quite a lot of airports in its flight path, rather than just fly to one place. They would have these kind of relay planes, so you got off. Where you were going to, and on one occasion I remember very clearly—it was on the news and everything. My dad was on a plane, and the plane crashed. The flight after he got off it. So whatever failure there was, that could have happened during his flight. I could—I could have been, uh, you know, orphaned in, 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 my, in that sense from my dad's side. And I, of course, it shook him. It didn't stop on flying because uh, he still believed flying was safe but, but we all, we don't know you know, but I mean just recently um, someone was telling me that they were seconds behind a lorry turning over in front of them we don't know how many times we've been spared from death you know uh, it happens all the time and you know this street out here is a dangerous street isn't it? get stabbed and I'm not there you could be a person that just walks into something and the next thing you know you've got a knife in your chest now I'm I'm not saying that to make us afraid I'm saying it for the opposite we walk through the valley of the shadow of death but look what it says our response is as believers I will fear no evil there's evil out there, there's darkness out there there's death out there the shadow of death hangs over everybody, because we're all going to one day, you know, pop our clogs. But it says, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Here's why we need fear no evil, because he's with us. And i tell you right now, if you'll just say those words over and over during the week to come, I will fear no evil, for God is with me. You will notice a difference a week from today if you say those words over and over to yourself. Because these words are designed, folks. These psalms, they're not just for singing. Uh, they're designed for speaking and believing and standing on. I'll fear no evil if you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Well, here's another thing. If you're a sheep, if you've ever seen sheep, I'm sure you have, sheep can be dumb, can't they? They can be stupid animals, stubborn animals. Uh, not too bright so they need more than just, come on now we use a sheepdog don't we, but old fashioned shepherds and they still do, they use a rod and a staff ok, and sometimes the sheep need a whack on their backside, don't they or they need, you know, pulled in with the crook because they're about to go over a cliff or whatever else, it's not pleasant getting whacked by a rod and a staff so, what he's saying here is, what the psalmist, what David is saying is, sometimes God has to rebuke us, sometimes he has to chastise us, and, you know, I'm sure most folk in, in this audience today, we can say it to the horror of all those woke folk out there, but when we, get, when we were kids, we got our backside smacked, didn't we? Or a clip round the lunk, or whatever else. Whatever it was, okay, but I'm quite sure, maybe your parents didn't believe in that. I'll tell you right now, mine certainly did. Okay? But you know, I'm not damaged. I'm not needing therapy. You know, of course it can, it can become abuse. We know that. But a good shepherd has no qualms about using the rod and the staff. Hey, get out of there. Amen? Whack. And sometimes we need that. And the psalmist here says, he, he doesn't fear. And he says it's actually a comfort. The rod and the staff are there. Why, why does the rod and the staff comfort him? Because he knows that if the shepherd's using it, the shepherd cares. Your dad or mum whacked you as a child. They didn't do it because they hated you. They did it because they loved you and didn't want to see you grow up to be a man. Amen. So praise God. We have a shepherd with a rod and a staff. And in other words, he's boss. We don't get to do our own thing. He leads us and guides us, but sometimes we need the rod and the staff. Then he says this, uh, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You know, one of the things that is very unpleasant about being a Christian, uh, you discover, is that you have enemies. Now everybody, you see, well, loads of people have enemies. Most people have enemies. Maybe everybody has an enemy. But, you discover when you're a christian you and i'm not just talking about the devil the devil is our enemy isn't he he's the evil one he's the adversary that's what satan means to be an adversary but we have enemies we have enemies sometimes in the government we have enemies maybe they live next door to you or across the street from you you know they they maybe support a different football team or they just don't like as agnes would say the cut of your jib they don't like the cut of your jib so they've just purposed in their heart that they, they don't like you, and so then and it goes beyond that, they then start to become hostile and they maybe plot against you and they'll tell lies. Enemies will tell lies against you. Have you ever had that? I've had that. It's not pleasant. Jesus said, Blessed are you when men revile you, persecute you, and say all manner of evil against you falsely. For my sake. And that's when we discovered that a lot of the times our real enemies are people who, who they just don't like the fact that the Lord is our shepherd. And here's the stunning truth of this they're not all non Christians. Sometimes your worst enemies are people who are Christians, fellow Christians. But we'll not speak about that today. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. In other words, God demonstrates his blessing, his love, his provision for you so that your enemies can see it. Isn't that wonderful? He he vindicates us. He says, you're mine and I'm going to show it in the presence of your enemies. Then he says, you anoint my head with oil now. Uh, And my cup runs over. Anointing the head... It's not just about getting a wee bit of olive oil and putting it on your forehead. That That's good. That's We do that. We sometimes pray for people and anoint their head with oil. But what I speaking about here, uh, I'm told, is that uh, in Middle East countries, they would smear, because the word anoint means smear, they would smear and rub this oil into the heads of the sheep because flies would buzz around their head and annoy them. We've seen that with animals. We see the cows, you know, they swat the, the, the flies. But they put this oil on their head so that the flies would stay away. And of course the word Beelzebub, another name for Satan, means lord of the flies. Flies symbolize demons or devils or evil. Okay? Or decay. So anointing our head with oil means that God makes sure that our enemies stay away from us not wonderful so i want my head anointed with oil if it means that the the flies stay away amen and my cup runs over what that means is god will fill your cup but not just for you he'll fill it over you'll fill it running remember that old chorus running over running remember the sunday school My cup's full and running over. Amen. We want our cup to run over because there are people who need their cup filled. And God will use you to fill other people's cups. So the blessing is not just for us. It's for others. I was sharing this yesterday. Abraham wasn't blessed to bless Abraham. He was blessed to be a blessing. Abraham was blessed, but so much so that he could bless others. And that should be our heart as believers. And you know, that's a shepherd's heart. So, this, so David is saying, my shepherd fills my cup to running over so that I could fill other people's cups from my circles. Isn't that wonderful? And then finally, the last verse. Let's just finish with this. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. We don't have to run after good things. We don't have to run after mercy. Goodness and mercy follow us. They run after us. God is chasing you. A lot of people are religious because they try to persuade God to accept and approve of them and bless them. But if you'll just stand still, he'll run after you and come upon you and overtake you and bless you with goodness and mercy. So all you need to do to be blessed of God is stop running, stop striving, stand still and hold your hands out. Amen. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a great truth. God wants us to be with him forever. It's not just a wee blessing now and again. It's not just for a season. It's forever. Amen. And so we are his forever. He is ours forever. And we are forever people. Remember that song, Charlie Lansborough? My forever friend. Yeah? Anybody anybody remember that? No? You're kidding me on. You don't know that, my forever friend. you all know it, Jim, don't you? Jim knows it. Jim's Jim's a music guy. My forever friend. He's my forever friend. And that's what he is to us, because he's our shepherd and our forever friend. The Lord bless you folks, and I hope that. And just remember the Lord, read this psalm over and over and get its truth in you and you'll begin to walk in what it says. Amen. Amen.